Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking again about the Kingdom of God. I was going to do uh, a study on Malachi, which is one of those minor prophets we've been looking at. We have the uh, uh, study up already on uh, several of the prophets, uh, and along with the audios uh, that uh, I've made going over those studies so that people will understand what they were talking about. And they were all talking about the same thing. And, in fact, it's the same thing that John the Baptist was talking about as a voice in the wilderness and Jesus Christ was talking about as the rightful king and the highest son of David and the uh, accepted king of uh, the citizens of Judea. That's right, the, the citizens of Judea accepted Jesus Christ as king. And when they did that, some cried out that they had no king but Caesar. And, of course, they're out. They're no longer a part of the kingdom of God because out of their own mouths they have convicted themselves by accepting Caesar as king because they wanted the benefits of Caesar and the protection of Caesar and uh, the gifts and gratuities of Caesar. And so they're out of the kingdom. Because they are applying to men who say they are gods. Paul talks about there are many who say they are gods, but are not gods. Well, of course, Caesar Augustus and Caesar Tiberius and Caesar Nero all claim to be gods, which simply means ruling judges. They were the apotheos of Rome. That means they, that they are the, the primary judges. They get to judge more uh, than other men. Like in the United States, we have a Supreme Court who decides what is good and evil uh, for the members of the United States. And they get to decide that. They are the gods, the ruling judges of the United States. And they have, you know, a defined capacity in which to operate. But if they say it's so, I guess it's so. <laughs> so, anyway, they're, they're you know... The, the painting, the Apotheos, who was an office that the emperors requested, starting with Augustus Caesar, who was the first emperor of Rome, and uh, emperor itself means commander-in-chief. All these people are political in origin. And, of course, Christ came along and said, My kingdom's not of your world, referring to the constitutional order and system of government of Pontius Pilate. Because... He was certainly on the planet, so he wasn't talking about the planet. He was talking about the world of Pontius Pilate. He was talking to Pontius Pilate, and then Pontius Pilate asked him, that, are you a king? And he says, thou sayest it, that I am a king. Well, of course, also the people of Jerusalem hailed him as the highest son of David. They're saying that he's the king. He's called the Christ, which means the anointed, which in Hebrew would be Messiah or Messiah. And we would translate that Messiah. So Jesus was the Messiah, the Christ, the King of Judea. Which at that time was the remnant of Israel. And Jesus said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you and I'm going to grant it to somebody else. 
Jesus was extremely political. <laughs> His gospel was extremely political because he was preaching a different kind of kingdom than what the Pharisees had been setting up for a number of years. And uh, and this is a pattern that we see throughout history is that either you're headed towards Babylon, Nimrod, uh, Lamech, Cain, and their types of government, or you're headed towards the type of government that Christ is talking about, which is we call the kingdom of God. So that's what we're talking about, the kingdom of God. Well, unfortunately, most people have not been seeking the kingdom of God, and they certainly haven't been seeking the righteousness of the kingdom of God. And they have gone (laughs) a-whoring. I hate to use such a graphic language, but I don't know any other way of uh, referring to it. The righteousness of God. They haven't been seeking that. They've been seeking the self-righteousness of systems that exercise authority one over the other and say, you have to give this much and you have to give that much and you have to sacrifice this for my benefit. And what has happened is the masses have become accustomed to living at the expense of others and depending for their livelihood on the property of others and instituted the rule of force and violence. And they say, I want to have public education. So they said, okay, that's fine. We will give, you, we will provide you with free public education from grades 1 through 12, even kindergarten. And uh, all you have to do is covet your neighbor's goods through the exercising authority of government. And then we will tax your neighbor, force him to contribute to your child's education. And everybody said, amen. And... That was, you know, that started back in the 1800s. That started before the Civil War. And people started doing it. Now, uh, during that time, 1850s and the Civil War and 1890, most people did not send their children to public schools. Public schools were not that popular. They might have sent them to a school, but that wasn't a public school. It was private schools. Most all the... Kids were educated outside of public education. It wasn't until the early 1900s that most kids started going to public schools. Even then, I can show you schools that were mostly built by voluntary labor and contributions. And the teachers were paid by voluntary contributions of some of the parents who were sending their kids to those schools. Some of the parents were too poor, but... The, the community provided that educational program through the public schools because they funded it mostly outside of taxes. But the camel's nose was in the tent because now you are going to depend upon taxation, which is force, force taxation. Somebody decides how much you're going to have to give and they make you give that amount. If you don't give that amount, they can take away everything you have legal title to. You know, like your house and your your farm, your land. They can take that away in order to get the funds that your neighbor wants to support his public school education. That's okay, suddenly, with Christianity. It wasn't okay with Christ. He forbid it. He said we were not to be that way. 
Uh, it wasn't okay with John the Baptist who said you were to do it by charity. It wasn't okay with the apostles. It wasn't okay with Paul who said that you were to covet. And it wasn't okay with Peter who said through covetous practices you would curse your children. You wouldn't bless them with free education. You would curse your children. And so you went down that road. But you didn't just stop at education. You you, you got a lot of other benefits going. Like, you know, taking care of your parents. That's kind of a hassle. And so you said, well, let's have Social Security. And the government will take care of our parents through Social Security. There is no trust fund. Got that. Everybody write that down. No trust fund. It's never been solvent. That's been ruled by the Supreme Court and by accountants <laughs> from the beginning. Because the whole reason they instituted Social Security is that they were already literally bankrupt. They hadn't declared total bankruptcy, but they weren't getting... Federal Reserve wasn't loaning them any more money until they got more collateral because they were already out of collateral. What, Federal Reserve, early 1900s, 33 years later, you used up all your collateral. You had borrowed against all the collateral of the United States and now they were going to have to get more collateral. Well, Social Security added a new collateral, your labor. And now you were... A portion of your labor had to go to the pharaoh. I mean, to the government. <laughs> so anyway, give you a hint. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. Now that's just where you're at. Yeah, you, your parents went that way. Your grandparents went that way. Your churches didn't say, "Hey, wait a minute, guys. We're coveting our neighbor's goods, and we shouldn't be doing that. We're looking to men who exercise authority one over the other to be our benefactors." Jesus forbid us to do that. He said it was not to be that way with you. He said it in Matthew and Mark and Luke. He basically said it even in John and most of the apostles agreed because all that is covetous practices. So that's, that's the history of how you got back into the bondage of Egypt, how you've cursed your children with trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. And for the last few years, or last year anyway, thanks to this COVID pandemic that uh, everybody perceives to be real, certainly in the news, I can't say much against it or I'll be banned on Facebook. We already were banned on, we had a program on uh, the uh, 1871 theory of incorporation of the United States. And my son came on and talked about some of the other things that are happening in the news. And we mentioned COVID. And we've been banned. You know, that, that video was somebody was trying to put it up on YouTube, and YouTube said if you try to put it up again, they will close <laughs> your YouTube account, and uh, probably forever. We will be condemned forever. So uh, we have to be careful what we say if we wanted to go on YouTube. Of course, now we're starting to cultivate other places that we put it in. Of course, the best place to get. Up-to-date information from us is on the Living Network. In order to get on the Living Network, you get on an email network, which is, uh, you go to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org, and you get on those groups, and they are based on geographical location, and then you can start trying to make connections with people as close to you as possible and start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness by doing what Christ commanded, sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we're going to talk a little bit about 
the distractions that keep people from doing that. And we just mentioned it, the 1871, the Act of 1871 theory about the incorporation of the United States. And, and we just blew that thing right out of the water at the get-go and because it's always been a corporation. <laughs> it wasn't, it's not a new corporation. It's, you know, I, I don't want to get into it because it gets distracting. I could tell you. The land upon which there was some land that was sessioned to Washington, D.C. from the state of Maryland and from the state of Virginia. And some of that land from Virginia has gone back to Virginia. But the bulk of the land came from the state of Maryland. And it was sessioned. And that was provided in the Constitution that land should be sessioned because the United States government is not a part of the states. Now... We're gonna, we're gonna touch on it now. It's sitting in the District of Columbia. Is the District of Columbia a state? Now there's, there's a big talk in the news today. They're gonna make District of Columbia a state and Puerto Rico a state and, and then they'll have more states and that means more senators and they're gonna pack the court and they'll probably do all those things. But that's not the problem. That's the symptoms of the problem. You know, I mean it's like somebody breaking out in acne <laughs> and you say, well, we got to put cream on this, and we got to do this and that. And chances are, it's your diet and your mental state that is causing you to break out in the acne. And you know, it often happens to young kids during puberty because all kinds of mental things and physical things are going on, and an, an imbalance is created. But if you change your diet physically and mentally, it will probably clear up on its own. I'm not saying you can't use the cream. Go ahead and use the cream. But the problem is actually coming from somewhere else. It's not lack of cream that is the problem. It is coming from somewhere else. So that's the same way in dealing with your loss of freedom. Your loss of freedom is not coming from somewhere else. It's It was granted by God, but you've been cut off from God the same as Adam and Eve were cut off from God when they decided to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So if you want to get back to walking with God and under the protection of God and put on the full armor of God, you've got to stop doing what's been cutting you off. Thinking it's somebody else's actions that has made you less free is the problem. <laughs> it's your actions, your choices, your lack of action that is making you less free. And we're going to look at how that's spelled out, at least in one way. Because, I mean, every show we try to take a different, different approach to the same problem. So you can, you can begin to identify what it is that is keeping you from the liberty of God, which is found only in the kingdom of God, which is at hand, in which Christ came and reset in the greatest reset. Now you see people like Klaus trying to implement what he calls the great reset. And he's not alone. I use Klaus because he's he's a big spokesman. But I mean, uh, Prince Charles, he's in on it. Bill Gates is in on it. Uh, George Soros is in on it. I mean, the names just go on. Those are the ones you know. It's actually the ones you don't know that are the scariest. <laughs> but anyway, and I'm I'm chuckling when I say this because I'm not preaching a gospel of fear. But it is serious. 
But there is a solution. And Christ gave it to you 2,000 years ago. You just have to start thinking like Christ. Because you haven't been doing that. Parents haven't been doing that. Pope isn't doing that. Billy Graham wasn't even doing it. You know, one of the things that Billy Graham was most afraid of, he said this out loud in the open, the thing that he feared most, that when he died, that Jesus was going to say, Get ye from me, you workers of iniquity. You worker of iniquity. Why in the world would he say that to Billy Graham? Why would Billy Graham, that be his greatest fear? And I heard it out of his own mouth that he said that was his greatest fear. Well, you are a prophet of the beast if you are telling people that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority one over the other to get the benefits you want from society. That is the prophet of the beast. Because that's what the prophet of the beast says. It's okay. It is moral. To covet your neighbor's goods through men who exercise authority. Christ said it was not to be that way with you. They're saying that it is that way with you. And seducing you into contracts, covenants, and constitutions that bring you back into bondage. So now that I've cleared that up, we can end the program here. (laughs) Obviously, you don't understand how important that is and how easy it is to be distracted from that mission of seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So I actually, I was up 4.30 something this morning working on a number of pages. I just uh, set up a new system here. I was out on the desert doing that. But now I'm I'm back here at the home place, the pasturage, and uh, I've added to the page on righteousness. Uh, it's actually called Righteousness at Preparing You. And uh, I explain in that, that America, what made America great was that Americans were good. Americans once took care of all the needy within their society to charity alone. There was no welfare coming from the government. There really, you know, Madison was against public education. There was public education set up because they would set aside land that really nobody owned. It was when they were first coming across America, Madison set it up so that there was land in all the townships that was set aside for education. But the people were actually building the schools. The people were funding the teachers. There was very little tax dollars, you know, taxing your neighbor. Certainly not income tax, because there was no income tax. Taxing your neighbor uh, to provide these educational programs in these pu- what we call public schools. Schools open to the public. It was still mostly privately funded. In some states, Massachusetts, they kind of fudged on the deal and a few other states, but... Generally speaking, people knew that was not the way to go, to get government in charge of your education. You don't know your history, so you don't know how we progressed into what we presently have. And you have become accustomed to accepting the benefit of free education. Now they want free college education and uh, at the expense of everybody else because they're not going to forgive the loans. <laughs> They're just going to forgive the idiots who took the loans out. Uh, they're going to put the cost of those loans on everybody else. 
And uh, because that's equality, you know, and that's what they're looking for. Uh, but it's not equality, and it will bring a great inequality, but they don't, they haven't figured that out yet. But on the page, I pointed out that America was good because of, or America was great because America was good, and people, people sacrifice daily in all communities to help out the needy of their community. And they, they built schools, they paid teachers, and if you couldn't afford uh, to help pay for the teacher, they still let you go to the school. And this was almost always set up through churches. Although it wasn't a church-owned school, it was a publicly-owned school, but it, it was publicly-owned because people donated their time, their labor, their money to make it work. And and that, to, to a tiny little degree, still goes on occasionally in some communities. But they have this mix of forced contributions and free will contributions, like the school up here in North Lake County. That was built on land, not from the government, but donated by a private party to the government to build the school. Now, the school was built by taxing all their neighbors, and so now they're realizing that there are changes and that they're they probably talked about it this morning at the early morning Bible study when I came in around 5 o'clock. Uh, my son and grandson were headed out to a men's Bible study and it was still dark out. <laughs> headed off. And they're probably talking about some of this stuff because they fear the control coming from the federal government. Now, you know, go force all their kids to have vaccinations. And I'm going to send out some things on the, the network so you better... Because I can't send them out on Facebook or I'll be shut down. I can't send them out on YouTube or I'll be shut down. So I'm going to send them out on the network. And uh, and the network's not for arguing and debate, but it's for giving you news. Now, I have sent some stuff to the ministers and things have gone out through the ministers. Hopefully it's gone out through the ministers to the living network. But those ministers, you have to get together. You have to do what Christ commanded. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. You see, first you sit down in the tens. You pick a minister, and then he gathers together with nine other ministers. And that's a hundred. <laughs> and then then those ten ministers, they pick a minister. This is from the bottom up. This is, what, this is the only way to make a free government. From the bottom up. Because those ministers are servants. They're not rulers. They're not, they're not going to get together in a legislature. And we'll, we'll touch on that too in this program. Uh, how Israel was going the wrong way and starting to create a legislature, legislating laws, not simply representing and communicating and connecting everybody. But anyway, those ten ministers, they will pick a minister. And that will be a minister eventually of a thousand. And then 10,000, and then 100,000, and then maybe 144,000. Who knows? It's, it's simple math. So anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about the distractions that keep people from doing that. And the gurus that, well, maybe good intentions are leading the people to destruction. We'll be right back. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, so on the righteousness page, I added a little footnote underneath the picture there, which actually is a pretty long footnote, but <laughs> it's not a very big page. 
but does have a lot of information about how many times righteousness is mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament, a little bit about the Greek and Hebrew of the word and what it means. But really what you want to know is that it is righteous to love your neighbor as yourself, but it is not righteous to covet your neighbor's goods to get benefits at his expense through men who exercise authority, period. That's pretty easy to figure out. That's not righteous. It also might be righteous for you to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands according to the command of Christ because he commanded that his disciples, his ministers, make the people sit down in those tens, hundreds, and thousands. And uh, and they did. And that's how the early church was organized. And thank God for that because in the days to follow... As Rome and the imperial cult of Rome, and which all of you are a member of, most all of you are a member of the imperial cult of Rome. Did you know that? Well, we have a page up on that to explain what the imperial cult of Rome is. But uh, and and you can't you can't leave a cult. You know, once you've joined up, it's not easy to leave it. You can get cast out, but uh, you're. They're not going to let you just leave it, generally speaking. There are a few exceptions, very few exceptions, but boy, you better be righteous because the imperial cult of Rome was unrighteous. It offered people the rewards of unrighteousness. We have an article up on that. And uh, and that's what most people like. You know, like some of the rewards of unrighteousness was welfare, free bread, you know, free cheese, free wine, free money. Uh Free entertainment. <laughs> they had lots of things that were free. But it cost somebody to put it on. So it wasn't really free. It was just free to them. And that's part of that cult is that once you were a member, you could get that free bread and those free benefits. But there was also a price to pay. And so, but once you're a member of that cult, you just can't leave, especially if that cult is borrowing money to provide you with those benefits because now you become a surety for debt. And, of course, Christ talked about all this stuff. But what I talk about now, what I added to that page, was America was great because Americans were good. And Americans were good because they took care of the social welfare and the education and the and the elderly of their community when they're you know occasionally parents they lose all their kids and you know they die or they don't have enough kids or whatever and they may fall on hard times and somebody has to take care of them and of course that's that's what religion is is how you take care of the needy of your society pure religion is to do it unspotted by the world and when I use the word world there, I use the same word that Jesus used when he said, my kingdom is not a part of that world. Well, if you're using the world to take care of the needy of your society, guess what? Your personal kingdom it becomes a part of that world. <laughs> Christ would not do that. The early apostles would not do that. The early church would not do that. And were persecuted because they would not sign up for the social welfare of the imperial cult of Rome. Yeah, that's it. That's why they were persecuted. Now, they were also privately persecuted because of jealousy and envy because their system was working and the Roman system of social welfare was breaking down. You're going to see that in spades. But anyway, 
So America stopped being good when it started coveting its neighbor's goods in order to get the benefits that it wants from society and by way of men who exercise authority and implement the rule of force and violence in order to provide you with those benefits. And somehow or other, your church said that's okay. Even the Pope now says that communism is good and communism is great, but he also he says abortion is okay and and all kinds of things are okay that really aren't okay. And, and you know, nobody tarred and feathered them. Now, there are certain people within the, whatever the Roman Catholic Church is, uh, that are now opposing them. But a lot of those people that are opposing the Pope because he's at this extreme area of, you know, that all these things that were always immoral are now suddenly okay. They're still not thinking like Christ. They're still not doing what Christ commanded. And they they still have need of repentance. They've seen something. And they're speaking. Have the courage to speak out about it. Courage is good. Speaking out the truth, even though it's going to get you kicked off of social networks. <laughs> uh, that's good, though. Speaking up. But you have to be as wise as the serpent. Otherwise, you get kicked off of YouTube, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> but as harmless as doves. But you have to be even wiser than the Facebook fact checkers. <laughs> so uh, I'm just using that as an example because I think it's kind of funny that somehow they think by kicking you off their platform that they're going to stop the power of God. But how does the power of God get implemented in the world? Doesn't it do it through the hearts and minds of the people who are willing to let God write upon their heart and their mind? If you're not willing to accept the idea that it's not okay to covet your neighbor's goods, then I don't think God's writing on your heart and mind very much. You, you're you going to have to erase some of that chalkboard before you can actually begin to see the truth. When you start walking in the ways of truth and righteousness, then you will end up with a cleaner and cleaner slate. As you forgive your parents, your grandparents, your neighbors, the the senators and congressmen who set up this system, uh, even the Illuminati, <laughs> you can forgive them. Leave judgment to God. You don't need to get angry at these people. You certainly don't need to get afraid, which is why I'm I'm always kind of joking about this, because I I want to be lighthearted about you know looking it when we're going to look into the abyss a little bit, and if you look in there, it will draw you in. And one of the ways it does that is with anger and fear. It gets you angry, it gets you afraid, and it draws you into the abyss where you are literally implementing your own servitude. You actually go out of your way to do what you think is going to make you free and will actually put you more into bondage. And we're going to show you that. Hopefully before the day is out. We'll either get to it by the end of this show (laughs) or we'll get to it by the end of the show this afternoon. And I might even come on. There's a community call. I see it being uh, promoted on the network. If you're not on the network, you're not going to get that notice. But they're going to have a community call. There hadn't been a lot of people showing up for the community call. But I've shown up oh, once at least, maybe once or twice. And uh, I may show up there a little bit more often, briefly, for answering questions. There's another event that goes on here about the same time, and so I, I, it, there's a conflict. But I think I can start showing up a little bit more often, answer a few of your questions. But Christ can answer all of your questions. 
if you start doing what he commanded. And if you resist doing what he commanded, expect to remain blind. Because the man who was blind, you know, Christ almost never healed anybody unless somebody advocated that he be healed. Either he requested it or somebody else requested it for him. There was a blind man, though. The only place I can remember that Jesus went out of his way to heal that blind man. And he didn't ask to be healed. Nobody, there's no reference in the text that he asked to be healed or somebody else asked him. Jesus just decided, I have come here that the blind shall see. And so it was also interesting, it was the only time where Jesus actually like, he took up dirt and and he spit in it, (laughs) mixed his spittle in the dirt. And then he rubbed it on the man's eyes. And then he told the man, who was still blind, to go and wash out your eyes. And so somebody took him to a fount somewhere there at the temple or something. And he washed out his eyes. And as he washed out his eyes, he stood up and he could begin to see. Well, he he didn't see Christ because Christ wasn't there. But he could see. And he could see men standing as trees. That's, that is so significant. There's, there's so many layers and meanings to things in the Bible. But you're not gonna see that. But at least you can see that this man was healed, according to the story, by the spittle of Christ and dirt that Christ picked up and spit in. Was that how he was healed? Well, anyway. He then began, he knew Christ did it, but he didn't know what Christ looked like. And he professed Christ. And of course, by that time, the government of Judea, run by the Pharisees, already said that if you claim Jesus as the Christ, if you believed in Jesus as the Christ, the King, you were going to be kicked out of the welfare system of Judea, the synagogue of Judea. Synagogues is ten families. That's home church kind of stuff. You know, because ten families could meet. They didn't have to have a special building. They could just meet in homes. Because it's just the elders that had to show up. Everybody, you know, hopefully the father shows up, has that men's Bible study, and then goes back home and tells everybody at the family what went on at the meeting. And... You know, because he's king of his castle. His wife is queen of the castle. <laughs> so the queen's in charge till the king gets back from men's Bible study. <laughs> and so anyway, he raises up his children in the righteous way. But a synagogue was ten families. That's That's what a synagogue means. The network of synagogues you would be cast out of. And if you were cast out of that network of synagogues, at that time you would be cast out of the welfare system of Judea. And so people, you know, they, they were afraid. The, the blind man's parents were afraid to, you know, speak up. They said, oh, no, he, 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 he's, what he's saying, he's saying on his own. So he was saying that he believed in Jesus. And they were saying that he's speaking for himself because they didn't want to get cast out. They'd lose that social security check. <laughs> the, the benefits of being in this welfare system. Uh, free giveaways. And so they cast him out. And it's one of the only places where you see Jesus actually go, went and looked for him. 
And then he asked the man, do you believe? Meaning, do you believe in the Christ? In the way of the Christ? Which is the way of charity, not the way of force. Like all the other false Christians do today. They take care of their needy through force. They don't take care of it through faith, hope, and charity. They do it through force and fear and, and fealty. They, because they have to pledge their allegiance in order to get these benefits. That's fealty. So, and it's fealty to a government that operates by force, not by faith. Its allegiance is forced, not like the allegiance to Christ, which is by faith. Because it's written in your heart. It's not written on a contract somewhere. I'm going to tie all this together. So anyway, they, Jesus said, you know, that he was, he was the Christ. And the guy followed Jesus. In a network that eventually spread all over the Roman Empire and beyond. And when Rome collapsed, those people survived the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Because they were doing what Christ commanded. And because they were doing what Christ commanded, they were beginning to see clearer and clearer, more and more, all the time. And the blind, those that said they saw, who are actually blind, were falling into a ditch. Because they were following blind guides. So if your minister thinks it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who exercise authority, he's a blind guide. And he may even be a prophet of the beast. And if he's not telling you that you need to be seeking the righteousness of God, which is how to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity and the love of Christ, he's not a minister of Christ. And you need to pick a different minister. So everybody should write that down. If he's not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands connecting with other ministers to connect you with those other ministers, he's not doing what the early church was doing. And you need to pick another minister that is actually going to do what Christ commanded. And that's what we're trying to do. So anyway, I, I, I've got a whole section underneath there. Uh... You know, and it goes into some of the things that many of you have already heard that, you know, 150 years before Christ commanded the people to organize themselves in this network of tens, hundreds, and thousands in order to provide an administration of charity for the welfare of the people and the needy of society. Polybius came out and warned that, that the people would become accustomed defeat at the expense of others and depend for their livelihood on the property of others and institute the rule of force and violence. And, of course, you've done that in America, which is why America is not great. It's not because, uh, you know, it wasn't made great because of the Constitution. It was made great because people were doing that, because the people were good and were doing that. They were willingly sacrificing in charity to take care of the needy of society, including those that were not educated, uh, parents who had no children that would take care of them, um, the sick, the infirm. They did all that through charity. Once you decided to do it through force, you're doomed. Condemnation of you and your families was not going to linger long. It would get worse. You had abandoned the perfect law of liberty 
of doing this by charity and you had degenerated into perfect savages and now you've elected savages. And I'm not just referring to the Democrats. The Republicans have been pretty savage too. And uh, dictatorial. I mean, well, I can't mention the vaccine, so I won't mention the vaccine. <laughs> but I will mention it on the network, so you can come on the network and find out what I got to say about that. But uh, anyway, so what are we going to talk about today to get us into the groove of understanding? Well, we're going to talk about passports. Because you want a passport to the kingdom of God. But there are other people out there offering you passports to allow you to travel in the world. And uh, so what, were there passports at the time of Jesus Christ? Actually, there were. And uh, the Christians had a form of passport, you know, a form of ID. Now, everybody might not have had it, but certain people traveling about, they were going to need to present some sort of identification to identify who they were. If you were taking funds or, say, uh, you know, food and, uh, you know, emergency supplies to people in Greece from Jerusalem or to people in Ephesus from Galatia, which Paul did those kinds of things, uh, and other ministers as well. Barnabas and other ministers did this as well. Because there were famines rolling through the Roman Empire. When you went through certain ports, you wanted to pass through and you didn't want half of the foodstuffs taken away from you. <laughs> you wanted to make sure they got to the Christians who were going to need them. Because you, you, you know, you're coming into a city where there's shortages. How do you get supplies to your people without the people at the border confiscating half of them. Well, they needed identification to identify. And there was a law in Rome. See, these things they're not teaching you. They don't even teach you this in the seminary. There were laws in Rome that if you were a religion, even a private religion like Christianity was, you could cross the border with food supplies and they could not tax them. They were tax excluded. All the religions, they were tax excluded. So if they came from the Temple of Minerva or the Temple of Roma, which Herod built. Herod built the Temple of Roma too, not just the Temple of Jerusalem. If they were bringing supplies to the people who were members of the Temple of Roma, you could not touch those supplies. They were protected. Now eventually when all chaos broke out, that was not going to be the case. But that was the law for a while. Those laws exist today. But because you won't sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you're not a religion. You're just some sort of social mental club, you know. Because religion is how you take care of the needy. You, you're, you don't do that in your churches. 90% of the needy in your church is taken care of by men who exercise authority. That's the temple they really worship at is where they get all those benefits. Because that's the way it was in the days of Rome. That's where you went to get your benefits. You went to the temples, or the little building next to the temple, to get your free bread. And Jews were doing this. Pharisees were doing this. When Rome had its giveaways in Jerusalem, 
if it the giveaway day fell on a day that was a Jewish holiday, Caesar Augustus himself passed, you know, one of those executive orders, you know, you see them signing all the time. He passed a law by executive order that the giveaway for Jews would be on another day that did not fall on one of their special holy days so that they could all go there. Because on some of their holy days, they weren't allowed to travel around and, and talk to Gentiles. So they moved uh, the giveaway day to another day of the week where they could still get the free giveaways of Rome, which is coveting your neighbor's goods because Rome wasn't giving away anything that was donated to Rome. (laughs) It was giving away stuff it took away from other people, like you guys do today in the modern Rome, in governments that are all over the world. You get benefits from men who force the contributions of the people. You will not be free as long as you think that's okay. You may be comfortable for a while, but the day of damnation lingereth not. It will come upon you like a thief in the night. Because you've been stealing from your neighbor through covetous practices for generations now. Now, this is a hard thing for a lot of people to swallow, but that's that's where you got to go. So, there's definitions of passports, an official document issued by the government of a country to one of its citizens and varying from country to country, authorizing travel in foreign countries and uh, authenticating the bearer's identity or citizenship or right to protection. While abroad, the right to re-enter his or her native country. So that that's one definition. It's also a certificate intended to secure admission. The document issued uh, to a ship, especially to a neutral merchant ship. So there's lots of different kinds. Of, and there's other things that are not even called passports, but we won't get into that uh, as a French name. And... Uh, but the, basically, the Christians had, like I said, a, such a document. It was called the Logos. It was actually a document, but they called it the Logos. And it was because the Christians were organizing these tens, hundreds, and thousands, and they made a record of, you know, who's in this congregation of ten? Who's the minister of that congregation of ten? And that minister, what congregation of ministers is he in? Because his congregation is him and nine other ministers. Congregation he serves is ten elders of families. That's the way it was set up. You, you see, you think an elder, most people think an elder is an office of the church. No, that's an office of the family. Nobody appointed men to be elders. They appointed men who were elders to do certain jobs. That's the way it reads. You know, that never says they, you know, were appointed as elders. No, elders were appointed. Men who were already elders were appointed to do certain tasks, like Barnabas and Paul were to take supplies across the country to help out a group that needed help. And they were appointed to take them. They probably got a letter. We know that they did that because Paul mentions the letters, you know, like he writes a letter. This is Timothy. That's a logos. That's a letter of the word saying, this is my brother. Receive him as if you would receive me. That was his passport. Now, if you were sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, we could do that in spades. 
all over the world. And it would be accepted here and there, uh, you know, uh, for a while. But ultimately, you have to know the end game. The end game is evil wants most of you dead and all of you subject to their authority. That's what evil wants. And it's wanted that for a long time and now you may be seeing the end game. I'm not going to say who's doing it. <laughs> just evil. We'll just call it evil. And uh, and you're falling for it. You need the passport of Christ. That's what you need. I'm not saying you can't have the passport of the world anymore than I'm going to say that if you have acne, you can't use Clearasil. I'm saying that the reason you have the problem is because of something that goes much deeper. Uh, so anyway, I give a little bit of the history of early passports. And actually, one of the earliest mentions of a passport is in Nehemiah. Yeah, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Chapter 2, verses 7 and 9. You can go read those. Um, but many kings and caliphates and, and, and rulers of countries uh, issued passports. Henry V, uh, he actually, of England, he actually formed some of the standards for the early passport. In England, you, there's like six different kinds of passports. In America, there's like two different kinds of passports. And I'm not sure how they designate the two. I know a little bit about the rules because I went back and reviewed them. As a matter of fact, I stayed up all one night this week. and still went out to work the next morning at 5.30. But uh, so that I'd go over this and I added a great deal to our page on passports to explain this so that people would understand what's really going on. Uh, there's always been some rulers or monarchs or whatever that want to control the movement of people in their their country. And they're, they're rulers because in America we're supposed to be free souls under God. That was the original intent. We've lost that a long time ago. We're not free souls under God. But we, if we repent... God can bring us back into that state of freedom. But we have to repent and act upon that repentance. You can't just think differently. That's what repentance is. You have to put that into action. And we're often distracted from that. We'll talk about what to do when we come back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, so we're looking at this idea of Passports, and they had early passports. Uh, we see them mentioned in the Bible, and we see them uh, mentioned in the history of the early church. And uh, and certainly there is a whole history of them in the governments of the world who awful, also offer passports. The reality is is that there was a... When America became a republic, which was actually long before uh, the American Revolution, America was a republic. I mean, uh, Cromwell even sent troops over to America to defend the American Republic. Uh, you know, before, you know, we had an American Revolution. So, the reality is, is that, and we were a republic before the Constitution of the United States. But a republic, in a more pure sense of a republic, not a republic in the sense of... Uh, uh, what we see as uh, today an indirect democracy 
We weren't that kind of a republic. But anyway, uh, the reality is, is that, uh, a republic is where you're free from things public, and nobody's free from things public hardly anymore. <laughs> They're all subject to things public, and uh, your legislature is not just representing you, they're making laws for you. And I mentioned that when Israel was first set up, it was considered a republic. You could find that even in the Encarta Encyclopedia, you know, which was kind of a Microsoft Bill Gates kind of encyclopedia. They knew that Israel was originally a republic because they supported the entire government without any real forced taxation. There was a, the only tax that could actually be forced, and it really couldn't be forced, but was considered necessary that you had to pay in. It was, a, it was equivalent to, you know, a little less than a dime today. And it was just kind of your ante up. And everybody was expected, really only the heads of households, because that's, they're not, Husband and wife were no more twain. They were one, and their children were all under their authority. So every household had to pay in at least the equivalent of this dime. And, and when you read the original Hebrew, that that's pretty much what it sounds like. But the reality is if somebody didn't have a dime and people liked them and they were a part of their congregation, it was not uncommon that they would pay that dime for them. And... Uh, it, you know, it's like a half shekel kind of thing. So that that was the only real tax in the whole nation of Israel. All the other funds were free will offerings. There wasn't any forced offerings until they departed from the ways of God and decided to have a king. They were warned that if you want to have a king, he's going to take and take and take and take and take and take and take, and take including your sons and daughters. And when you cry out, I'm not even going to hear you because you do this. And they still wanted to do it. You can go look for Samuel 8. Saul forced an offering. And because of that, his kingdom would not stand. Any kingdom that forces an offering of the people will eventually... De- it's the Again, the camel's nose in the fence, in the tent and it will eventually lead to destruction unless you repent of that. You know, David started doing that and then he repented of it. Started numbering the people, but he repented of it. But the reality is that's what happens, power corrupts. And so, you know, people say, you know, the the king is taking too much, let's elect a new king. It doesn't take quite so much. But see, then the people become a part of the whole sin because they still want to take they want to take and take and take. They just don't want to take and take and take and take and take. <laughs> Especially if they have to be the ones giving. So, you're, you've, you're going down the wrong way when you go that way. You have to turn around and go the other way. Repent of that and go back the other way. So, anyway, uh, what, what we need to look at is, uh, in order to get to this, this next hour, you know, we, we kind of glance at the definition, a little bit of the history of of uh, the idea of passports. And that passports in themselves, there's nothing wrong with passports in themselves. It has to do with taking away the right to choose a people. And, and trying to become a ruler over the people and controlling the people. Uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, they have a right to do it because some people are just flat out out of control. 
And uh, so somebody needs to kind of take a grip with those people that are out of control. But you have to be very careful that you don't become a dictator. And the reality is you don't want to be empowering people because that power that you give people can corrupt them. So you have to be very careful about the reins of power, the reins of control that you give them. And see, the Levites, they were the government of Israel and they were receiving the taxes of the people, the tithes of the people, according to their service. Who gets to decide what their service is? The people. The elders of every family would pick a minister and if he's doing a good job, they would support his ministry. And then he would pick a minister and he would support that ministry. And if he needed more funds, he would let the elders know and they get to choose whether or not they want to give him more funds. So the the power of choice remains with the people. They remain king in their own castle, in their own homes. As soon as you stray from that and start giving the power to somebody else and executive power to make those decisions for you, you will now have to contribute this much to this cause. You have given away your power of choice. You have empowered somebody with more power of choice than God intended. And that power will corrupt him. And you've been doing that now for generations. More and more and more and more. You don't even know what it was like in early America. You don't know what made America great. We we told you at the beginning, but you, you really didn't understand that. Or you would be doing that. And the only way to practically do that is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. So anyway, when we became that republic, going back to a little bit closer to what God really intended for us, where we were, America was great in taking care of the needy through faith, hope, and charity, the other countries started signing on to this idea of being a republic. Not just the states of America, but other countries. The United States was always an indirect democracy. But the states were as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada, even after the ratification of the Constitution of the United States. We explain all this. We quote the sources, why we say that, Clark's summary of U.S. American law. You can go out and buy the book. I've seen it for sale on eBay for uh, $1,500. <laughs> or you can come by and borrow mine. But you can't leave the office with <laughs> But it will tell you that the states were as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada, even after the ratification of the Constitution. But the Constitution, which was an agreement between the states, had nothing to do with the people of America, those people living on their own land, kings in their own castle. They were not a party to it. That's the Supreme Court's ruled that over and over again. They are now, but they weren't then. Uh, those those people uh, did not choose to have the United States federal government, and the states wanted to have the United States federal government, but said that it had to be on land session from somewhere else. It couldn't be in the states. Had to have jurisdiction outside of the state. So they picked a particular piece of ground that was sessioned to it, and they're on that ground now. And I didn't mention who owned that ground before they got it, and who may still own that ground, but it has nothing to do with the incorporation that took place in 1871. 
And so people take these bits and pieces and they put them together. And we're going to take a look at how some people take these bits and pieces and create a whole scenario and, and idea about things. And it's really not that complicated. So anyway, like I said, passports today. We explain this at preparing. You can go look up passports. And, you know, it's entitled 22 of the U.S. Code, Section 212. No passport shall be granted or issued to or verified for any other person than those owing allegiance, whether citizens or not, to the United States. So anybody telling you to go get a national passport and don't explain that, then they're leaving an important element out. You can go on to... uh, Title 22, U.S. Code, Section 213, Applications for Passport Verifications by Oath of Initial Passport. And they give before a passport is issued to any person by or under authority of the United States, such person shall subscribe to and submit a written application which shall contain a true recital of each and every matter of fact which may be required by law or by any rules authorized by law to be stated as a prerequisite to those issuances of any such passport. If the applicant has not previously been issued a United States passport, the application shall be duly verified by his or her Oath before a person authorized and empowered by the security, uh, Secretary of State to administer oaths. And so you can also, I mean, there's also a section 211, but that was repealed already, so we won't have to look at that. These laws are constantly in motion, and right now there are changes taking place on a day-to-day basis. And now with the, the new Congress and Senate, you're going to see well, actually, you're not going to see. <laughs> That's what I'm not going to tell you. You're going to see an abundance of changes taking place. But the reality is that some of these things, some of these jurisdictions have already taken place, which is why we wrote the book Covenants of the Gods and, you know, why it's available for free online. So you can see how they have already, you know, the the, the Great Reset is going to end private property. There is no private property. There's the illusion of private property. They're now just going to remove the illusion of private property. <laughs> and so, uh, but I'm not going to get into that or we won't get through this. Anyway, there, there, we have a whole section about gurus uh, in guru theories. Theories of how to become free. Because people are noticing this loss of freedom and this kind of totalitarian approach of government. Of course, it's the government's fault. It's never our fault. Uh, you know, it, it's either God's fault or the government's fault or, or you know, the Pope's fault or somebody else's fault. We never look, could it be our fault? Well, actually, that's what we have to start doing is trying to find out what we're doing, what we have done, what, you know, our parents have done that might have brought this about. And then provide for the truth of that knowing. And and like if you have been made merchandise because of covetous practices of generations and generations of your family or of you, 
then you have to, in order to undo that, you have to do the reverse. You have to go the other way. You have to stop. You have to be the antithesis of covetous practices. And one of the ways to do that is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and create a network of charity where you're casting your bread upon the waters according to your choice to men you look out amongst yourselves and you choose and start creating a network of charity to take care of the needy of your society. If you don't do that, you can kiss your freedoms goodbye. Because it ain't gonna, there is no other way than the way of Christ. Now there's a lot of people that think they believe in Christ. And they're distracted by these guru theories and strategies instead of the strategy of Christ. So anyway, the, those, somebody, and I may take his name off here, but uh, they have a particular website. And it's Kelby Thomas Smith, and I heard him talking. I listened to his, I mean, he has a couple of videos up. One's like five hours long. I did not listen to the entire five-hour video. I read as much as I could. I've seen this argument before. And they have a particular website, uh, and they refer to themselves as his advocates, and there's a state citizen site, and there's actually another site that was associated with this, and I got some information off there. So I looked at these different sites all night long, going through this stuff. I've gone through this before uh, with other people, because this has been around for a long time. I mean, there's some new things added, you know, like he was constantly quoting QAnon in the one video. And, you know, QAnon... He said a lot of things that are true. You know, Hitler said a lot of things that are true. And not, I'm not comparing him to Hitler. But, you know, the, the truth is the Soviet Union and even Hitler had, you know, it's like they read 1984, uh, which they may not have, obviously. I mean, but, I mean, it is Hillary's favorite book. <laughs> she said that. I heard that out of her own mouth. She was asked what her favorite book was, and she said it was 1984. I'm not sure she was rooting for Winston, though. But uh, in that idea, there's they they create the opposition, and they control the opposition so that you never actually look at the real problem. You're looking to the controlled, self-built opposition. Now, they don't always create an opposition. There may be oppositions out there. But they try to manipulate those even. But the reality is that the only answer is what Christ was saying. Because it, it understands the whole chessboard. You know, uh, he, he, he can even beat the Sicilian strategy, if you know what I mean, that is. <laughs> uh, he is a, I can't play chess very well. I mean, I've known chess players that, could play numerous chess games without the board, in their head, with people all over the world at the same time. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't beat those guys. I played a few of them, but uh, no, I'm I'm not that good. But the guy I work for, hey, he's really good at chess. So you need to go with his strategy. But we'll take a look a little bit at the, these guys' strategy. Uh, and they may be well-intentioned, and some of their information may be true. Same as QAnon. But the QAnon has a terrible track record with predictions. If you actually took all of his predictions and you lined them up and, and graded them as to how true they ended up being, he, you, you would do better with coin flips 
than you would by listening to QAnon. Now, I don't know if there's a real guy behind that. I don't know anything. It doesn't matter because I know the answer is Christ. And uh, I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to spend all kinds of time staying up all night reading all the QAnon stuff and then try to argue against that. I'm just using, and Thomas Smith, Kelly, uh, Kelby Thomas Smith is just one guy. And I, I, I have nothing against him. And he may be very sincere. But he was quoting QAnon and he's quoting some of these other things. And we'll look at some of the things that he's saying. It's just not going to, you know, I've already showed you that whether you have a national passport or citizen or not, your allegiance is to a corporate government. And it didn't become a corporate government in 1871. It was a corporate government when they passed and ratified the Constitution because that created a body politic outside of the states that could do things by the authority vested in it by the states, not by the people, by the states. And it had to be on this other land, outside of the states. And somebody else <laughs> had owned that land at one time. But I, I don't want to get into that. I'll tell you that on the network if you ask me or on the network call. But I'm not going to get into that because it becomes a distraction. People, you know, I noticed that one of the new people that was elected by Biden or appointed by Biden was giving a talk in front of the press conference. And they were using words like intersectionality and equity and, and environmental justice. And uh, uh, there were several other words that popped up in there. But they were all being used out of the context that we normally or originally heard them used. And... But they were still being used. Because the shallow mind, these are like key words. It renews the hypnosis. You know, a hip, hypnotist does that. He uses key words. That he gets you hypnotized to a certain level using certain key words. And then he, he goes to take you to the next level. He uses the same key words again. Because those key words trigger something in your mind that will bring you back into a deeper and deeper hypnotic state. Uh, humor, you can do the same way. You, you watch some show and they, they have some little joke that they make. And they will revisit that joke four times. Some words of that joke. Some situation of that joke. Four or five times in the rest of the show. And every time they revisit it, it becomes funnier. Because they're building on the original humor of that original scenario joke. That verbalized joke. And it's a, it's clever and it works because that's the way we we leave place markers in our mind and a hypnotist will leave a place marker in your mind and he will go back to that place marker to hypnotize you into a greater and greater state of hypnosis. This is what's happened all across the United States with this I Hate Trump Club. These people are all hypnotized. They don't realize it. But the same thing went on with the people I want benefits club at the expense of my neighbor club. They don't put it in those words. You know, there's social justice. It's justice we need to take away from these rich guys and give to us. <laughs> and they, they will take you deeper and deeper and farther and farther down that trail. That comes from looking into the abyss. It drags you into the abyss. So when I'm pointing out the abyss, you know, I, I make a little joke about it. And that's a way of trying to pull you back.
from the abyss and not get sucked in. But anyway, so it goes on that, you know, a national who is not a citizen still owes permanent allegiance. That's the word that they use. Permanent allegiance. You know, laws change, but permanent allegiance does not. You know, they can, they can change the rules. You still have permanent allegiance. Now, I'm not saying don't get a passport. If you got a passport, you got a passport. I'm saying you got to look. Don't think that you are going to beat the law. That's what one guy said on one of these websites. How to beat the law. You know, you're not that clever. Don't try that. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But give to God what is God's. And God will make you unpalatable. They will... His, they will spit you out. They will, they will cast you out of their system the more you let God write upon your heart and mind. It's, it's not, you don't have to play chess with the devil. You be the pawn of Christ. You know, that's what I run into sovereigns once in a while and they're saying, I'm a sovereign. And I say, well, I'm a slave to Christ. And uh, and that's what the apostles said. They were bond servants of Christ. That's what the Levites were. Bond servants of God. They belong to God. And that this is a this is a whole different flow of energy. And um, we might get into that in the afternoon show. Uh, but anyway, it goes on. So some of these websites suggest that you can beat the law, as I said. And uh, they put credence in the ideas of the Act of 1871. And on the page there now, I have a link to that. And I have the audios up on our 1871. And uh, I've got the video put together. I haven't put that up. Somebody else put the audio to video. But we actually have the video. We had some problems, but we have that. But I, I need some help cutting it. And when that happens, we will upload it. Uh we probably can't upload it to our YouTube channel. We'll have to upload it to one of our other channels. <laughs> but we can let it go into the network because because uh, uh, we did say a few things about the you know the big C word, not conspiracy, COVID, maybe the COVID conspiracy, but the Immigration and National Act, which was enacted in uh, 1952 originally, and then there's the there's another Immigration and Nationality Act that was activated in 1965. And there's changes made in these, but if you go back and read each one, you start seeing certain patterns flowing through these things. And uh, the one in 65 was the 89th uh, Congress, and it was signed in by uh, our favorite, President Lyndon Baines Johnson, and President Lyndon Baines Johnson, LBJ, that we used to call him, uh, you know, it was always interesting to me that, you know, every time there was somebody who committed an assassination or something, they always, they put all three names down. John Wilkes Booth, you know, and I can't remember the others, but, you know, they'll always give you three names for the guys who are, are assassins. Well, Lyndon Baines Johnson did more to assassinate freedom than FDR, so you got FDR and LBJ uh, 
So that seems to be a kind of a, some sort of thing <laughs> that's going on. But anyway, uh, in it, uh, there, a lot of this is found in section 8, not in section 22, but in, uh, or title, uh, title 8, not title 22, like we saw with the passport. But it has an, an effect on everything, but there's, uh, and that I've seen some of these things moving around. So I have some of this stuff, but I'm not going to go read all of it. But I, I took certain sections, uh, you know, like under section 1101 definitions. I, I put a few definitions in there. Term administrator. Uh, the term advocates includes but is not limited to advises, advises or recommends uh, furthers, uh, or overt acts and admits beliefs in. Okay. That's what an advocate does. Okay. His advocate is the name of this one group, hisadvocate.com. We, we refer to ourselves as his church. We use that as a phrase. And of course, the church is advocating Christ. But, in order to be advocating Christ, you would think people would be promoting what Christ promoted. Uh, telling people to do what Christ said to do. Uh, I don't see them doing that. So they're not his advocates. I know they want to be. They should listen to us and find out what we can share with them and make their own decisions. You come back and make your decision. We'll be right back. So anyway, we're, we'll try to finish this up here pretty quick and we're going to take a look at a few of these things that uh, just jumped out at me when I was going through and reading the entire codes again. I've read them all before but uh, and we were able to expand our page on passports because some people think that somehow passport is from the state is your key to freedom. Well, no, the passport from Christ is your key to freedom. <laughs> but you can't get the passport of Christ unless you do the will of the Father because that's what Christ says. you got to do the will of the Father and it's not the will of the Father that you do not sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. It is not the will of the Father that you covet your neighbor's goods. If you have done that or your parents done that in the past, now you have to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and do the opposite of that. So anyway, that if you're going to get any kind of a passport, whether a national passport or an American U.S. passport or U.S. citizen passport, uh, you're going to have to take this oath. And even if you don't sit down somewhere and take the oath, it is ex- you do not legally and lawfully have that passport unless you have agreed to the oath. And that oath now includes a line, which we have here on the webpage. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, yeah, during the breaks, I'm actually repairing the page. Things <laughs> that not fix in the middle of the night. Or things that, adding little things that you probably need to say in order to put this all together. But basically, it's required by the law that you're agreeing that I will perform work of a national importance under civilian direction when required by law that I take this obligation freely without any uh, mental reservation or purpose of evasion. So help me God. So you're considered to have taken that oath. The performance of work of a national importance, that can change day by day. Minute by minute. 
under civilian direction. Doesn't have to be military direction. Civil authorities can now say you are now a volunteer because you have volunteered. Because you have agreed to this power and you have sworn a permanent allegiance to the government. You can't just say, well, I unswear. <laughs> so, anyway. so anyway, in the course of the definitions in this section of Title Eight, Section 1101, I threw in just a few of the myriad of definitions they had in there. I put in, you know, administrator and the advocate and an alien. Alien means any person not a citizen or national of the United States. Christ was an alien to Rome because his kingdom was not a part of Rome and he was not any part of Rome. And that was essential for him to be able to take the kingdom away from uh, the Pharisees and appoint it to his apostles. And it was essential also to his apostles, the ministers that he was going to appoint, that they followed that same status. They could not be a citizen or national of Rome. They were the head of a private religion, a religion separate from Rome. And that religion was to take care of the needy of its society through faith, hope, and charity. I also put in number 12 as the term doctrine. They define the term doctrine. includes, but is not limited to. So they can be broader than this. But at least the policies and practices and purposes and the aims or the procedures... Now, it could be more than that, but it's at least that. Well, the policy of Christ is to love thy neighbor as thyself. The practices of Christ is the practice of charity, not force, not covetousness. The purposes of Christ is to set you free. And so, anyway, and the procedures is to do all this through charity, through a network of tens, hundreds, and thousands, because he commanded that we do it that way. Now, here's another definition. The term foreign state includes outlying possessions of a foreign state, but self-governing dominions or territories under mandates or trusteeships, these are ors, not and, shall be regarded as separate foreign states. Christ appointed a kingdom to the church, to the called out, to the little flock. That's a trusteeship. At least that's a trusteeship. There's also land that belongs to the church. Now, there are other, other people may be sitting on it, but I, I claim all the land that belongs to God in the name of God for God and His purposes. You know, back to those doctrines, His purposes. And, you know, someday I'll reveal to you the whole of that, but we can't get distracted or we won't get to the end of it. <laughs> so anyway, a trusteeship shall be regarded as a foreign state. So you can be from a foreign state and not actually be from Guatemala. <laughs> so anyway, that's important to understand. Term immigrant means every alien except an alien who is within one of the following classes of non-immigrant aliens. An ambassador. Ah, an ambassador, well, all the apostles. Apostle means ambassador. That's the Greek word for ambassador. Public ministers. There's a big long list, but I just put in those two. Those are actually the first two. An ambassador or public minister. A uh, minister of Christ who's, who's taken the, you know, the vows that Christ 
demanded of his ministers is a public minister. But he has to actually be publicly ministering and taking care of the needy in the way we're supposed to do that in this tens, hundreds, and thousands. So it's, if you're not going to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, you can come, you can kiss your freedom goodbye. Because you're kissing Christ goodbye. Because you're saying, yeah, I love Jesus, I just don't want to do what he commanded. Okay? That's where you're at. That's what you're telling me. Okay, 22. This, so I skipped a bunch. But the term national of the United States, because that's what people want to get this national passport. And they think somehow or other this, now they can yell, Ollie, Ollie, Olson free. They, they, they're beating the law. They're, they got their get out of jail free card. Means, A, a citizen of the United States, or B, a person who, though not a citizen of the United States, owes permanent allegiance to the United States. Permanent allegiance to the United States. The United States can pass a law that you got to work for them. In order to keep track of that work that they're under civilian authorities, they may require you to get a social security number. Because <laughs> that's how they keep track of all their worker bees. So anyway, uh, number 30 was uh, the term passport means any travel document issued by a competent authority showing the bearer's origin, identity, and nationality, if any, which is valid for the admission of the bearer into a foreign country. See, now, this is one of the things I was pointing out. After we became a republic, lots of other countries became republics. Kings actually stepped down from their thrones, and they set up representative republics in many countries, you know, with parliaments, etc. This happened all over Europe, all over the world. And the United States kind of led the way in that. Now, what happened was for about 30 years before World War One, you know, we're talking like 1880. Uh, actually, I can I remember elements of this even before that. The idea of having passports to go from country to country almost died out. There were tens of thousands of people traveling all over the world with no passport, no allegiance to any government. And that was perfectly accepted. They were called internationals. Gypsies all did it. Many gypsies actually still do it in some areas of the world. There are people still in some areas of the world. I mean, most countries all have, you know, either a a social security number or a national ID number or, or a cellular or whatever card. They all have them. But in some countries, like 20% of the people don't have the card. They don't need the card to live in their country. I mean, nobody needs the, nobody is required to have the card to live in your country. Nobody has to have it. It's just getting harder and harder in many countries. And sometimes your standard of living may have to drop. But you could be from, you know, one of those other places that I mentioned before. <laughs> you know, one, like the trusteeship, you know. Um, you could be from one of those other foreign states. You know, in one country, Malaysia, and I, I've talked about this before, in Malaysia, there's a whole group of people that they're literally a nationality of people that live in Malaysia. And they're not Malaysian. And now they have to obey the traffic laws and a lot of those other things, but they have their own government within Malaysia. 
And I don't know how they're doing right now, but for years and years and years, they had their own government in Malaysia. And their government would meet. They were organized similarly to the tens, hundreds, and thousands in these smaller communities networking together. And their leaders would meet. But they they had no land upon which to meet that they could actually own in Malaysia. So they met in the cemeteries. That's where they met. They met in the cemetery. Which may explain somewhat why early Christians met in the catacombs, which was cemeteries. Cemeteries throughout history don't belong to the king. They don't belong to anybody. You can't ta- put property tax on a cemetery. It is separate land. That's why churches almost always had cemeteries. We have people buried on the church property. So, or at least their ashes buried on the church property. <laughs> and actually, there may be more than uh, I even can prove at the moment, but we'll see what happens in the future. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, another story. But anyway, so we went to this, uh, the term passport means this uh, this document. And the term permanent, which is, Term number 31. They go to the trouble of defining, this is how detailed they are, defining the word permanent means a relationship of continuing or lasting nature as distinguished from temporary, but a relationship may be permanent even though it is one that may be dissolved eventually at the instance either of the United States or of the individual in accordance with law. So you once you have that permanent allegiance, you can't just wave a wand or sign another paper or make it go away. You have to do it in accordance to law. The term state, that's an important term. This is number 36, includes the District of Columbia. This is already in the codes. The term state includes the District of Columbia. It's a state. District of Columbia is a state. Puerto Rico, Guam, Virgin Islands of the United States and the Commonwealth of Northern Mariana Islands. They're already states. But they're not states of the Union. (laughs) They're not states of the United States. They're states, but they're not states of the United States. They're also protectorates. This is the amazing thing about multi-level jurisdiction. Which takes us back to who owns Washington, D.C. <laughs> What's the 1871, Act of 1871 guys say that it's foreign, you know, like uh, the Vatican and the City of London and all that stuff. Well, and all these things, there there's some truth to them, but if you, like, you're putting together a puzzle, 5,000 piece puzzle, and you say, well, there's a piece and it goes here. Well, that may be a piece of that puzzle, but it may not go there. It may need to go somewhere else. So anyway, and I've taken the time to do this instead of going through the the study of Malachi. People realize there is only one answer, and that is Christ. you got to actually start doing what Christ said. Stop treating religion as what you think about God and start realizing that religion is how you Provide for the needy of your society and hopefully you're the society of God. Stop trying to, you know, get some free base out of jail free card 
Now, I'm not saying you can't go get a passport or a national passport or all those things, but it is not the solution. The solution is to actually follow the instructions of Christ, the strategies of Christ. Uh, and, you know, I could go through lots, lots more, and I have other sections under this Immigration and National Act, which we just went through, and then Certificate of Non-Citizen Nationality, and you know, you can look these acts up, uh, National Act, uh, which is in Title Eight, and look up Section 1452B. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of sections you have to read through to get through all this. As the title of the certificate indicates, only a person who is a non-citizen U.S. national, i.e. a U.S. national but not a U.S. citizen, may apply for such a certificate. I can't apply for such a certificate because I can't owe permanent allegiance to somebody else. I, my work and labor already belongs to God. I cannot volunteer myself to work at civilian work projects at their whim and command, <laughs> which is is what, what they want you to do. I can't, I can't go that route. And also, you know, under the United, uh, authority of the United States, such person shall subscribe to and submit a written application which shall contain a true recital of each and every matter of fact. Uh, you have to be careful that you're not presenting matters of fact that aren't really true. And then in the oath itself, I hereby declare an oath, which Jesus, of course, said, swear not, that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been subject or citizen. Well, see, if I'm a minister of Christ, my fidelity, my brotherhood is with Christ. I have, my allegiance is to God the Father. Uh, the foreign prince and potentate is Christ himself. This is why I started out saying Christ was, he was the Messiah. That's what Christ means, Messiah, anointed. He was the highest son of David. He he was the king of Judea and thousands, thousands and thousands of Judeans said he is our king and we profess him and were cast out of the welfare system of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were cast out of the kingdom by the words of their own mouth when they said we have no king but Caesar. But then the apostles go out and they are the ones who say there is another king, one Jesus. I am saying there is... in. King, another king, one Jesus, and lots of other people in the Protestant churches say that. They say, Lord, Lord. But when they want the benefits of the government, they don't go to the government of God, they go to the government who exercises authority one over the other, which Christ said it was not to be that way with us. So they are not us. They are not the us you hear Paul talking about. We and us and that's... That's not the modern church. Because they're not doing what Paul and Peter and Christ said to do. They're doing the opposite of that. And so, 
Anyway, can you have a duality of nation, nationality? Well, I, I put in a whole section on duality of nationality. The term national of the United States means a citizen of the United States or a person who, though not a citizen of the United States, owes permanent allegiance to the United States. Can you owe permanent allegiance to the United States and allegiance to God? Well, judging by what I see coming out of the United States today, no. That I cannot be a minister of God and have permanent allegiance to somebody else. Especially to those who are not doing the will of God and doing contrary to the will of God. So, if you, you want to be in the, the Republic of Christ, you have to turn around and start seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness and start going the way that Christ said to go. Your rights will not be secured by the Constitution because that's in the process to change all the time. It should be secured by the Constitution. But the Constitution, as we've explained in great detail, is not a biblical document. It doesn't conform to what the Bible said should be in a Constitution. Not even close. Bible actually tells you what's supposed to be in a constitution and it doesn't do that. So there's a lot more on this page that I, I you can go through and, and look at. And uh, we try to give you this big picture of what America used to be when we were free souls under God. When America was growing to greatness, you know, setting slaves free, not only in the United States but all over the world. Uh, kings were falling. They were stepping off their thrones and giving some choice back to the people through parliamentary government, at least indirect democracies. But for the last 50 to 100 years, there's been a great movement to taking away the choice of the individual, the choice of charity, the choice of, you know, now they're, they want to take away the choice of medical treatment. They want to force medical treatment. It's evidently... Your body, your choice when it comes to killing the baby in your womb, but it's not your body, your choice when it comes to receiving a biological agent into your body. All this has come about because the masses continue with an appetite for benefits and the habit of receiving them by the way of the rule of force and violence. By taking away from their neighbor, they get these benefits. The people having grown accustomed to feed at the expense of others. Again, this is Polybius. 150 years before Christ. He's telling you that your appetite for benefits and the desire to, the, to receive them at the expense of others, public school, police forces, fire departments. You can have a volunteer fire department. But why are you taxing everybody to have your fire department? Now, I'm not saying to do away with your fire department. Learn to come together and start taking care of one another without that. Like I say, in this community, we can call up our volunteer ambulance driver who drives an ambulance as a volunteer. <laughs> He's trained himself as a volunteer to be a, a first responder. And he will come over and help us. And uh, that's, that's great. We can also call dispatch and get somebody to come over from, you know, a government ambulance. But in our county, there are people in our county trying to move back 
the other way. Less and less dependent upon government. Like I said, the school system in the north was looking at, look, they can come in here and dictate all kinds of stuff to it. I mean, the new administration that was elected in the United States is absolutely against charter school. The school to the south of us is a charter school. They want to take all funding away from the charter school. They do that, and they will do that. If you don't get a vaccination, you don't get funding. They could do that. They might be even more direct than that. Can the people rise to the occasion and begin to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty? The more they do that, the more they will move towards that liberty of God and the greatness of that comes with righteousness. The real destroyers of freedom are those who spread amongst the people bounties, donations, and benefits. And the people destroy their their opportunity for freedom by not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands offering those bounties, donations, and benefits through charity, which is love. This is where your hope is. All the way through the Bible, everywhere you look, you know, the minor prophets, when thou sittest and eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. And if you be a man of appetite, put a knife to your throat. Because he he serves deceitful meats. And, And you just have to realize, he who receives the benefit should also bear the disadvantage. And a passport by any any government, anywhere, in any country, is a benefit. So, if you get the passport, you get the benefit. But you also will get the disadvantage. But be not disheartened. There is a way. People want to join the network and get out of the system. No, you don't do that. I mean, there is certain things that a person can do. Well, they will be considered excluded from the system. But if you really want to be saved, you have to gather together for the purpose of saving others because that is the only way in which you are actually coming in the name of Christ. You come together to save others, not yourself. And there's a lot of people that are going to need saving. So... Join us on the network. Come to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org. Till then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.